So we're continuing Law of One, Session 81. It was received March 22, 1982, 322, for those who are watching such numbers. Uh, we ended last time in the middle of a discussion of the uh, body complex cycle tarot archetype uh, archetypal mind portion associated with body complex cards 8 through 14 and we looked at the catalyst of body and we're going between Ra's terminology being uh, uh, matrix, potentiator, catalyst, experience, significator, and then uh, transformation and great way. So there's a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven kind of uh, progression. One, two, matrix and potentiator, three, four, catalyst and experience, five being the significator position, uh, which in many ways is fed by the successful potentiation of matrix, whether it's matrix of mind or body or spirit. The successful or efficient use of catalyst into polarized experience by way of continuing and successful potentiation of the matrix. So you've got the matrix positions one, um, one eight, fifteen. That's my rice cooker singing when it's finished. The matrix is basically where we start, but with mind, body, spirit. The potentiator is the means by which, where we start with the mind and the body and the spirit in their um, pre-developmental condition. Uh, how it is developed or what the development requires internally potentiation of the matrices and then potentiation of matrices matrixes uh, leads to efficient use of catalyst becoming polarized experience three and four which all feeds number five significator then we have six seven being transformation and great way and it's basically uh, a summarized, uh, an integrated transformation of each complex, mind, body, spirit, uh, in preparation for um, its integration with the other two complices, meaning uh, position six transformation uh, is the integration of one through five, we can say, there are many ways of looking at this, but it represents a unified, an uh, in, in integrated unification, let's say, of each complex, mind, body, spirit, in the positions one through five, in preparation for uh, a fuller integration into the other two, mind and body and spirit, each goes into the three. The, you know, each goes to uh, becoming melded or harmonized with the other two complices, mind and then body and spirit. Um, in the final card of um, Great Way, it's to me it's sort of like um, the the complex has been uh, healed, balanced, initiated, 
and we're taking the show on the road. And um, 22, Car 22, is great. Is a choice really is about harvestability out of 3D to 4D, positive and negative. And um, these archetypes really pertain to the deep mind in 3D space time, particularly. So it's not raw, and fourth, fifth, sixth dimensional groups are not working with these in the same way. So um, we're in the middle of the body complex 8111. We'll do a little pullback. What about catalyst of body? Ra said, um, I'm not going to read Don, but Ra's response. Um, the outside stimulus of the so called wheel of fortune is that which offers both positive and negative experience. And I broke that down before. And again, we're dealing with the, the traditional terminology, particularly of the rider weight tarot deck and then the formal terminology of each of the cards associated with the seven nodal points, and then the difference between Ra's Egyptian tarot iconography and the traditional meaning, you know, the, the formal meaning of each of the seven positions, right? Matrix, potentiator, uh, catalyst, experience, significator, uh, transformation, great way. Those... Uh, let's just say formal metaphysical meanings to the iconography of the card which will be different from Ra's Egyptian tarot to the the classical rider weight and then you have um, reversal with cards 8 and 11 and even the iconography is different and so there are all these different systems to integrate and (laughs) you know it's not everybody's cup of tea but uh, when we're talking about the, the moving into the cat, moving into the later cards of body cycle, catalyst experience, significator, uh, transformation in a great way, as to catalyst, uh, tenth archetype, uh, which looks like wheel of fortune according to Rider Waite and Ra's iconography. Ra's talking about experiences entering the energy web and vibratory perceptions of of a being um, from, quote, experience. It's really catalyst entering the web or catalyst that then becomes experience. Uh, certainly the catalyst of body um, has a quality of randomness and that's why there's this wheel of fortune as if it's fortune rather than karma. And so fortune is uh, generally uh, a shallow understanding of karma that's non-comprehended. The the mysteries of karma are called luck and fortune, but actually (laughs) karma is operative, uh, even though most no, nearly no one knows, no, nearly no one sees it clearly. Anyway, this uh, continual. catalyst production for body complex or the seven chakra system as body offers basically opportunity for the fashioning of both positive and negative experience. 8112 talking about experience of the body or how body catalyst is fashioned in a polarized way to continue on the path 
uh, in the Rider Weight deck. It's um, called Justice, but in Ra's iconography, um, experience of body actually looks like strength. <laughs> so that we talked about that at length. So the woman holding the the lion's mouth um, is what how Ra depicts card eleven justice, and that actually makes a whole lot more sense as for a as a depiction of the efficiently used catalyst of body to continue body development or our development on the positive path where the the power of body like a wild beast lion is tamed or in harmonious mutually respectful uh, relationship to um, the being the, the entity that's using such a body so uh, Ra Don is using one particular <laughs> uh, uh, term for 11 experience of body Rider Waite shows it as justice Don calls it enchantress from a different deck I guess uh, and yes you can say it produces a further seed for growth so you see you know <laughs> there's the terminology of the card they are major arcana from one deck there's the terminology of the Major Arcana from the Rider Weight deck. There's the iconography, or the images, the, the symbol depictions, let's say with the Rider Weight deck. Then you have the depictions from Ra's Egyptian Tarot, which has some, some of them reversed, or 8 and 11 particularly reversed from Rider Weight. Then you have the meaning, the, the technical, metaphysical significance of each of those seven positions in these three cycles, my body spirit, and you have to kind of put that together with, uh, you know, more commonplace terminology for the seven cards of each cycle. Uh, but if we use Ra's metaphysical designation and their Egyptian tarot iconography or imagery, at least we can start and get a good sense of what Ra's talking about. Then uh, we didn't get. We talked about this, so we reviewed last time Significator of Body, uh, which is actually Hanged Man, or so-called Hanged Man. Um, and we're not going to get into that again. And that's also very interesting as to what, what, the, what is the purified uh, configuration of body, uh, symbolically. The, the, the purification of body complex depicted symbolically as hanged man um, being in many ways I would say um, a particular a very subtle refinement uh, of the card uh, of card 11 experience of body right so there's 11 experience of body and 12 significator of body uh, experience of body showing this um, respectful I would say respectful relationship and non uh, absolutely harmless relationship between the great power of body and and the the female you know adept or the, the the feminine quality beingness that's using it and has transformed it 
from that to 12, Significator the Hangman, um, I think is a very um, rich um, symbolic uh, symbolism showing what um, what the initiated body looks like. 12. So, Don skips, goes to number 13, there's the new material. 8113, Don says, Transformation of body is called death, for with death the body is transformed to a higher vibrational body for additional learning, is it correct? So, that may be true, that in what we call death, um, you see body is, you can say, quote, body is transformed to a higher vibrational body, meaning astral body. It's not that the physical body is transformed to the astral body. The physical body drops away, and sentience inhabits the astral form, rather than the uh, anchored 3D yellow ray shell, which falls away in time-space and astral plane after death. So it's not that the body is transformed, it's that consciousness uh, inhabits uh, a higher body or is anchored into a higher body rather than the physical. Ra said, this is correct. So you see, Ra doesn't catch all the little nuances of of Don's statements that may be metaphysically um, inadequate what I consider metaphysically inadequate, because it's not that the human body, the physical body, obviously is not transformed, it dies, it goes back to the elements. But uh, embodiment, the experience of embodiment is transformed into uh, anchor, anchoring or establishment in the astral time-space body. But, Ross said, this is correct, may be seen to be additionally correct, in that each moment, and certainly each diurnal period of the bodily incarnation, Day, each day, offers death and rebirth to one which is attempting to use the catalyst which is offered it. And that's also, uh, I think, St. Paul, Paul, who calls, who some people call a saint, um, you know, it's like the Holy Land. Oh yeah? Are you holy? Saint, saint X, Y, and Z. Oh really? Were they saints? Maybe, maybe not. Don't trust liars. Were they? Were they not? I don't know, actually. So, uh, yes, indeed. Uh, for one, um, it's my experience too, for one who um, knows that life equals testing and opportunity for spiritual growth, which means unified mind-body-spirit development, which means lower chakra blockage clearance, higher chakra development, balance, coordination, that's it, right? Freedom from lower triad blockage, and development of four, five, six. That's it. A very simple way of looking at the path. For one who knows that and approaches life that way, yes, indeed, every day, um, every day is a new birth. Uh, and and this Paul, Mr. Paul, said, "I die daily," or so it said. And so, it it really is true, actually, that um, each day can be experienced as rebirth in the morning and death at sleep. There are many ways of experiencing a day, metaphysically, but that's one way. And that is basically the idea of a full combustion. What does it mean to be born in the morning and die at sleep? Well, that's cute. What, what's the point? Well, it, there is um, a sense of... Um, um, each each day is is um, completely unique, of course. Each moment is totally unique, 
each situation is a completely unique opportunity. It has great resonance with, quote, past, or all sorts of other experiences that, that are um, comparable, like the same people, the same place, the same activity, sure, but it really is totally unique. And, and the end of it is a combustion uh, at sleep or, quote, death, the end. Um, what arises passes away, and what arises the next day, being the next day, um, is totally unique, completely even though it has great echo, or there's much echo with, quote, yesterday. And so that's a very subtle perspective, actually, and leads to um, a deep <laughs> commitment to, to detachment or non-grasping. It's the people who wake up in yesterday's state of mind, or when we wake up today in yesterday's state of mind, or the state of mind we've had for months or years, that's um, great attachment and um, a basis of great dukkha, suffering. Um, and yet, it's unnecessary. 81.14, Don says, And finally, the 14th away of the body <coughs> is called the alchemist, <coughs> meaning it's called by the deck he's using, the alchemist. And so, if we look at 14, uh, it's called Temperance by Mr. Rider Waite. <coughs> and um, it's sort of like an angel uh, floating above a pond, and in raw, the transformation, the um, <laughs> quote different, uh, the card of 14 great way of body in raws shows uh, kind of, yeah, kind of an angelic, I guess, um, standing beneath the sun, which looks like it has daggers in it or something, but. Um, is standing before the sun, um, walking nicely in the uh, Egyptian Fayum field, um, as it was indeed, and um, is a little bit less Christian iconographic, but does look like some um, divine being walking along. And again, you can rep recognize that that represents an established spiritualization of body which is, I think, what great way position seven equals. Anyway, anyway, Don says, the great way the body is called the alchemist, in the deck he's using, because there's an infinity of time for the various bodies to operate within, to learn the lessons necessary for evolution. Is this correct? And you see, just because something is true doesn't mean it's correct. Or just because he's stating something that may be true, because time is apparently or relatively infinite and we have seven bodies and the seven bodies operate or continue to function in this profound expansion of time or linear the, the experience of linearity within which the being that operates mind-body-spirit complex uh, develops its seven ray, seven body structure which is called soul evolution yeah, but that doesn't mean that that's exactly what card 14 is all about. Ra said, this is less than completely correct, as the great way of the body must be seen, as are all the archetypes of the body, to be a mirror image of the thrust of the activity of the mind. The body is the creature of the mind and is the instrument of manifestation for the fruits of mind and spirit. Therefore, you may see the body as providing the atanor, through which the alchemist 
manifests gold. This is really beautiful. And an Atenor note shows as an oven, a fire. It's basically an alchemical crucible, digesting furnace, uh, a protected enclosure for combustion and transmutation. Body. Body is the Atenor. So constructed as to maintain a uniform constant heat. Well, maybe not. It's a little bit like, um, you know, like a, a crock, like a slow cooker, crock pot, right? Crock pot. All right. So the body has crock pot, and you can say, as me as a crock, crack, crock. Uh, what is this? Uh, quack, quack. So teacher as quack and body as crock. Ha <laughs> ha. So the Atenor is a term used in, uh, it's, it's actually Latin, I think, used in alchemy, and so the transmutation of gold from lead, from, in, from ignorance to enlightenment, or from the base elements of, you know, the undeveloped human being to the adept, is um, very much associated with uh, body, you know, the work done embodied, the embodied embodiment of, of uh, mind and spirit. And so it's the great way of body being the culmination of the body cycle of archetypes. Um, number one, as all archetypes 7 through 14 or 8 through 14, um, body complex, body complex cycle cards are, number one, a mirror for the activity of the mind. In many ways, um, you know, there are certain, I mean, I just want to get, don't want to get into this endlessly. We just go round and round and round or deeper and deeper. Yes, there are many, the, the body and the mind um, represent systemic, uh, uh, are, is a systemic polarity. The body system, the mind system, the seven cards of each are systemically polarized one to the other. Likewise, unified mind-body is systemically polarized to spirit. So, duality or dualistic con dual consciousness is um, metaphysically polarized to unified consciousness, unity consciousness, or the law of one. So, um, common mind, dual consciousness, duality, dualism, subject-object, subjectivism, identity fashioning, basically dukkha or avidya, is polarized to the experience of unified self or unity, sixth density, law of one. And then, those two together, unity or duality, apparent duality or experience of duality and experience of unity, uh, which is really perception of duality, perception of unity, uh, as a pair is polarized to uh, that which is beyond unity which is um, shunya, emptiness, or infinity, or mystery, mysterium, or the basis of uh, light. Okay? So, uh, body and mind represents a certain polar, polar, uh, systemic polarity. That's why Rock calls it a mirror image of thrush. the body working, and the body itself, in many ways, is a mirrored reflection of mind. And so there's mirror image of the thrust of the activity of the mind, which is also saying that the work on mind 
is a polarized mirror or mirrors in a polarized way the work on body. And this is the famous line that I often have said as Ross saying that the body is the creature of the mind's creation. You know, I, I remember some of what I read from the, the, the Whitford Press and Schiffer Publishing books of the 80s and 90s, physical, before internet. <clears throat> and I remember this as the body is the creature of the mind's creation, but it certainly makes more sense to say the body is the creature of the mind. So body is, um, you know, is my sturdy horse, is the horse, my loyal horse. And um, the, 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 the helper of mind is body, as embodiment is um, the way of um, anchoring and establishing transformation of mind. And so body then is also the instrument of manifestation for fruits of mind and spirit. And so body as vehicle, body as creature, body as mirror, body as manifested instrument or instrument of manifestation or way of materialization for the development of mind-spirit. And so there's the development of mind which is, uh, you know, making use of the fruits of spirit. And so there is, I mean, you know, I don't want to do a whole more and more, but the um, metaphysics of the trinity of body, mind, spirit is really, really interesting. And it's basically the way that the Logos brings, uh, makes um, the seven out of the one. Three is the conduit by which the one becomes the seven and the seven is the basis of the 10,000 things, as uh, Chinese philosophy notes. And so the three is the, is the creative number par excellence, is the logoic, uh, sacred, numerological basis for logoic expression into the seven and into the apparent infinity of, of finity, the uh, apparently infinite expression uh, of infinite power into infinite form or, or infinite quantity of finite form. <laughs> Creation as an infinity of finity, as an infinite array of finite form or nama rupa, name and form. So, but that, that whole infinity of finite forms with uh, name or consciousness um, has been produced by the three. And for the entity, the way back to one is making use of the three, uh, unifying the seven via the three, unifying um, the self, which uh, is energetically uh, a septonate or an octave of seven rays, seven bodies, seven chakras, um, making that one via the work upon the three uh, of my body spirit. 81.15, Don says, I have guessed that a way that I could enter into a better comprehension of the development experience, so he's, he's gone from the um, archetype <laughs> discussion at this point. It's over. Uh, 81.15, pulling out of the forest of the archetypes, Don says, I have guessed that a way that I could enter into a better comprehension of the development of the development experience that is central to our work 
to, is to compare what we experience now after the veil was dropped with what was experienced prior to that time, starting possibly as far back as the beginning of this octave of experience to see how we got into the condition we're in now. If this is agreeable, I would like to retreat to the very beginning of the octave of experience to investigate the conditions of mind, body, and spirit as they evolved in this octave. Is this satisfactory, acceptable? Ra said, the direction of your questions is your provenance. You may ask freely. And so uh, we're gone out of the, the, um, the mire of the archetypal discussion and trying to go back again to the pre-veiled condition before um, you know the, this veiling in mind making this, the 21, 22 archetypes out of the original nine which was matrix uh, potentiator and, and significator one two five what was what were things like again I mean I think we, we beat this to death already but uh, Don wants to get back into um, pre-veil conditions of uh, my body spirit and uh, the nature of the way and soul evolution before veil moving to the veil and what we have today Ross Don goes on Ra states that it has knowledge of only this octave, but it seems that Ra has complete knowledge of this octave. Can you tell me why this is so? <laughs> See? Don has idealized Ra, but I do not, because uh, it takes one to love one, and uh, we, they, are absolutely not completed. Talk to Gautama and Nityananda. Can you tell me why this is so? First, Ra says, as honest as they are, Firstly, we do not have complete knowledge of this octave. There are portions of the seventh density which, although described to us by our teachers, remain mysterious. Secondly, we have experienced a great deal of the available refining catalyst of this octave, and our teachers have worked with us most carefully that we may be one with all, that in turn our eventual returning to the great allness of creation shall be complete. So, first of all, no, Rod does not have complete knowledge of the octave, particularly seventh density, and obviously they didn't know what the hell they were doing working with the Egyptians, okay? 3,500 years ago? Um, there are no mistakes in the law of one, but they made some grievous consequences, so that don't look like um, skillful intervention to me. So, not only do they not have complete knowledge of the octave associated with not knowing the density ahead of them seven but nor they don't have full knowledge of the ways of distortion you cannot plumb the depths of the distortions that infect your peoples said they or paraphrase so they don't not only do they not know seven density obviously um, but um, they um, do not have omniscient uh, perception comprehension of the depths of distortions of humanity of human mind and culture and that's a big big oversight and they didn't listen to the uh, wisdom portion of the community but the uh, council of saturn okayed it then ross said we've experienced a great deal of the available refining catalyst of the octave so they're pretty much finished with with catalyst and that's the thing about seventh density is uh it's nearly um, silent. There's nearly no restlessness ninth fetter 
in in seventh density and the entity is really nearly done with catalyst and so that's an interesting thing and one can associate that with the prevailed condition in which there was no card or position uh, three and four catalyst experience there was just one two five so without the veil which is very much akin to seventh density which is really <laughs> unveiled it's beyond unity beyond identity uh, beyond the beyond um, attachment and fashioning of consciousness as identity uh, there is also no experience of catalyst um, and so they've experienced a great deal of the available refining catalyst and they work with their teachers and they're continuing to learn and so the great allness of creation is out of the octave so Don carries on, so 81.17 says, Then Ra has knowledge from the first beginnings of this octave through its present experience as what I might call direct or experiential knowledge through, through communication with, with those space-times and time-spaces, but has not yet evolved to or penetrated the seventh level. Is this a roughly correct statement? Ra says, yes. It seems like a very rough statement. Um... Ra has knowledge and experience from first density through late six. They know one through late six. 6.5, 6. 6.6, 6.7. Uh, but that doesn't mean they know distortions fully, obviously. And um, there's a real difference between book knowledge and um, real physical incarnate uh, wisdom, skill, knowledge. There's a difference between, you know, hearing about human pain and, and experiencing it. A big difference. And um, I watched the Terminator series again, and um, one line from the Terminator in the second movie was something, it's, it is in your nature to destroy yourselves. <laughs> and, and that's not human nature to, in its totality but it's part of it and he didn't understand crying or tears or sadness and at the end of the second he sort of something said um, I, now I understand why you cry and so you can have um, a data file and you can have a book knowledge and you can hear about it but if you don't taste sugar you don't really know what is sweet and if you don't have I mean that's the value of embodiment is um, to more fully realize um, the totality of potential or no potential knowing and experience. So, yes, okay, Ra has not gone to seventh density yet. 81.18, why does Ra not have any knowledge of that which was prior to the beginning of this octave? And so, you know, <laughs> people who don't know Buddhism and Hinduism idealize extraterrestrials. Extraterrestrials are senior students on the path. They are not uh, masters of the temple. Except when you get to 6th density, 7, 8, and like that. But most extraterrestrials, you know, they, they'll look up to the Narhat. Arahat Atrasata in the Billy Meyer material. Semyase talked to Billy Meyer about some entity called Arahant Atrasata, which just happens to be an Arahat. An Arahat. And Arahant is a Sanskrit, I think, for Arhat. It means a Buddhist enlightened guy. 
who was way, way above Semyase and the and the Palladians, of course. They're in fourth density positive, I guess. Araharachasata is in sixth or seventh or eighth density, and they hardly could communicate with him. So, uh, fourth stage adept called Arahant, or um, you know one who's united at- Atman Paramatman, you know um, Jivatman Paramatman, uh, one who's graduated the octave or a Gatama Nityananda guys who finished the path, Satchitananda, they're way above these extraterrestrials, way beyond them. And so, um, Ra doesn't know everything. <laughs> and if they come to Earth uh, in a ship, it's probably, <laughs> it's a sign that they, they're not finished with the path, obviously. So, people who have no understanding of Eastern mysticism, particularly Buddhism, Hinduism, um, fall into idolization of extraterrestrials and have a lousy discernment in terms of polarity as well. So, <laughs> um, see the big picture. Why does Ra not have any knowledge of what's prior to the beginning of the octave? Ra doesn't know everything, you know. Ra Don asks 8118, Ra answers, let us compare octaves to islands. It may be that the inhabitants of an island are not alone upon a planetary sphere, but if an ocean-going vehicle in which one may survive has not been invented, true knowledge of other islands is possible only if an entity comes among the islanders and says, I am from elsewhere. Hmm, good title. This is a rough analogy. However, we have evidence of this sort, both of previous creation, meaning octave, and creation to be, as we in the stream of space-time and time-space view these apparently non-simultaneous events. So Ra's letting on that they know that time is illusory, and actually, <clears throat> even though they experience um, linear linear s- stream of space-time, time-space, or apparently linear temporal progression and apparently distinct spatial separation, that's what time and space is, right? Time is apparently linear progression of yesterday, today, tomorrow, and apparently substantial or solid separation <clears throat> between uh, apparently distinct objects in space. Uh, both of which are, both the experience of both is the result of limited perception. But they know that actually um, there is true simultaneity. All is one means time and space are both illusory. And, and the analogy of um, islanders um, those within an octave, in this case, an, an octave is akin to an island, and those within the octave are the islanders uh, of any particular island on a one planet. They won't know uh, the other islands, in this case other octaves, unless somebody comes among them and says, um, I wrote a book in 1995 called I'm From Elsewhere. I'm from elsewhere. And so, um, that's a little strange joke. <clears throat> so, uh, if somebody comes, if an entity comes between or their teachers present to them information about the preceding and subsequent octaves, then they may know that. But the point is that sixth density, he's got a long way to go. I mean, if, if an entity has graduated the octave and is eighth density guardian, I would assume they know about the prior octave too, and the next. Somewhat. But you see... You know, the path is infinite, 
and knowledge is infinite and um, sixth density is great um, but it isn't even finished with this octave and so there are limits to Ra's understanding 8119 well we presently find ourselves in the Milky Way galaxy of some 200 or so million correction 200 or so billion 200 billion it's now people scientists say 400 billion 200 or so billion stars and there are millions and millions of these large galaxies thread spread throughout what we call space to Ra's knowledge, I assume, the number of these galaxies is infinite. Is this correct? Ra said this is precisely correct and is a significant point. And Don picks it up and says, the point being that we have unity, is this correct? Ra said you're perceptive. Um, and Ra in 8121 says, when Don asked, what portion of the galaxies of these millions and millions of really infinite number of galaxies and, and ultimately then infinite number of stars. What portion of all those galaxies does Ra have awareness of? Has Ra experienced consciousness in many of the other galaxies? Ra said no. But um, yes, the number of the galaxies is infinite. You know, humans are so... Human scientists are just another bunch of liars, generally, and small-minded. I mean, you know, there are some great beings, but generally, <laughs> modern... You know, what's told to the public is what will keep you in the dark. <clears throat> the mushroom approach to uh, planetary education. Keep you <laughs> in the dark, under the rock. So, actually, there are infinite number of galaxies, and the point is that the galaxies and stars are continually produced the, the <laughs> in, in the universe. Galaxies are continually produced and producing stars and stars coalescing into planets or you know ejected material coalescing to planets that is continually happening and so it's a significant point i think not only because of unity <clears throat> but but it's a living creation the living creation is that continually galaxies are being born and dying um big banging and imploding same thing with stars becoming, you know, coalescing to a star and banging itself out or booming, you know, and imploding itself to, to black hole or dwarf or whatever that is. So they're continually being born, continually progressing, continually dying and disappearing back from, back to where they came. Same thing with planets, same thing with bodies. Um, I think that the significant point is not just unity, but the, um, Profund, profound fecundity or livingfulness of creation. The creation is, is infinite, uh, unimaginable uh, creation in real time, continually. Birth and death, continually at all levels of being from the subatomic to the, you know, mega galactic. And Ra does not have experienced consciousness in other galaxies. <clears throat> Does Ra have experience or knowledge of travel to from any of the other galaxies? Yes. And what Don does, 8122, Don doesn't get that uh, form is less important than consciousness. And um, Ra's really interested in the principles of evolution more than the details of the many uh, places and faces of creation. 
81.23, and Don continues, just it's unimportant, but just roughly how how many other of these galaxies has Ra traveled to? Ra said, we have traveled, this is a very interesting answer. Ra said, we have opened our hearts in radiation of love to the entire creation. Approximately 90% of the creation is at some level aware of the sending and able to reply. All of the infinite Logoi are one in the consciousness of love. This is the type of contact which we enjoy rather than travel. <laughs> so, you know, when, when people get to be well-developed, they don't go out of their house too much often, or they stay in their ashram in the forest. And I've seen guys like that in Thailand. <laughs> they they already ate the world. They don't need to go out and um, acquire. And so, Ra saying, number one, um, you know, Don is asking, how many galaxies have you traveled to? <clears throat> it's the Elon Musk approach. Wow, we can build space colonies and live in a bubble on a rocky surface of a planet with no atmosphere. Ain't that great? Ra said, uh, rather than explain how many galaxies Ross traveled to, Ross saying what their kind of um, journey or experience moving forward really is, it's not physical. Number one, they say they open their hearts in radiation of love to the entire creation. This is, uh, may all beings be well and happy, like that, Brahma Mahara. Um, fully opened heart, offer love light to all. Interestingly, approximately 90% of the creation, which includes, um, you know, first density and second density mineral plant animal, 90% of the creation is at some level aware of the sending and able to reply. Uh, the, guess, guess who is at 10%? <laughs> the 10% is called Orion. The 10% that is not aware of the sending and is unable to reply or chooses not to is... Uh, the group that goes on the surface of South Path. So that's that's one of the great, one of the many great lies that you've been told, which is that most extraterrestrials are negative. No, baby. 90% are deep in love light. Deeply loving. 90% of the cosmic community is deeply loving. More than you can imagine. Only 10% um, rejects love. But the human leadership is uh, aligned with that 10%, and therefore um, are learning the way of lies and deception uh, and reject, um, you know, greeting and love. Then in that the Logoic level, all the infinite Logoi are one in the consciousness of love, and that's because love is the basis of light, right? The, the uh, origin of light is the action of free will upon love. And intelligent energy, which we could call light with a capital L, its nature is love. That's why we call it love light, light love. And that's why the logos, the word, is the principle of love that manifests as light. And Ra saying that kind of contact they enjoy rather than uh, getting into ships and flying around. 8124. So that I can just get a little idea of what I'm talking about, what are the limits of Ra's travel? in the sense of directly experiencing or seeing the activities of various places, is it solely within this galaxy, and if so, how much of this galaxy, or does it include some other galaxies? Don keep asking back about that. 
and you know it is interesting <clears throat> what um, different bodies look like and buildings. I am Ra. Ra said, although it would be possible for us to move at will throughout the creation within this logos, that is to say, the Milky Way galaxy, uh, so-called, we have moved where we were called to service. These locations being, shall we say, local, and including Alpha Centauri, planets of your solar system which you call the Sun, Cepheus, and Zeta Reticuli. To these sublogoi we have come, having been called. <clears throat> and um, this is uh, the UFO researchers may perk up, if there are any here, or those that are disinforming. Um, it's followed at 2181.25. Don says, was the call in each instance from the third density beings, or was this call from additional or other densities? Which is a very interesting question to specify the dimensional origin of the calling uh, from within the Milky Way galaxy uh, to which Ra responded historically. Ra said, in general, the latter supposition is correct, meaning um, the call being from, quote, additional or other densities, not 3D. In the case, in the particular case of the Sun sublogos, third density is the density of calling. Now, we're getting, now we get a little bit uh, complex because Don is asking um, have you traveled to other galaxies? And Ra sort of says yes, but not all. They say that they can move at will throughout the creation within this Logos. Now, this Logos means galactic. So, that doesn't mean Ra can't go to another galaxy. But they're saying it is possible to move at will throughout the creation or the octave seven densities of this Milky Way galaxy, galactic logos. I think that's what they're saying. Then they say, that is to say, the Milky Way galaxy. Okay, so the, the logos of the Milky Way galaxy being the galactic logos, the central spiritual sun, they can move at will throughout that, through all solar systems of this Milky Way galaxy. Can they not to other galaxies? Um... Maybe, maybe not. It's hard to say. It may not be possible. But, you know, for uh, beings who are not yet of the octave or eighth density to go between galaxies, I don't know. But in terms of here in the Milky Way galaxy, what they're calling local, it includes obviously other star systems or planets of other star systems outside our solar system here. Alpha Centauri, and again we're looking at fourth and fifth density groups probably, particularly fourth density groups, 4D positive. Then also, planets of your solar system, meaning this, you know, one that we're in now, which you call the Sun. You see, it's not that Cephas and Zeta Reticuli are planets of the solar system. That's a phrase. Planets of your solar system which you call the Sun, meaning our Sun solar system, meaning what? Venus, Mars, Maldek? Maybe so. Was Ra called by some on Maldek? Was Ra called by the fifth density positive group on Venus today? Was Ra called by the 3D group on Mars before they blew off their atmosphere? Maybe. Uh, also, Cepheus and Zeta Reticuli, 
And so there's a little hint that there probably are positively oriented grays. I have a friend who's probably listening who believes or felt that he met some of the Zetas and they were positive, or whoever he met had a similar uh, Zeta reticuli morphology and was positive. And this guy is uh, quite well developed, and this is supportive of his view that that entity that had typical gray morphology that's totally, you know, typically associated with Zeta reticuli, which doesn't mean it's from there, <laughs> doesn't mean that that's exclusively the morphology of that system, but was a positive being. And this is suggestive of that, that there are, there is what? A positive 4D positive. There's a 4D positive group in the Zeta Reticuli star system. Maybe so. Maybe so. And so, yes, they've been there, and I think they're mainly talking about 4th and 5th density positive groups. Um, and, but in the case of planets in... Um, our sun sublogos, right? So solar logos as sublogos, our sun calling from planets in this system, third density is the density of calling. So you can say that's Mars, Maldek, and Earth. Were they not called by the five depositive Venusians? <laughs> I don't know. But certainly Maldek, Mars, and Earth are all 3D planets. And Ra may have experience on all of them. Um, and there's the answer to intergalactic travel, 8126. Don says, Ra then has not moved at any time into one of the other major galaxies. Is this correct? Ra said, this is correct. So, now that may be preferential. That may be a limit that, um, that, that beings who are still not yet free of this octave uh, cannot do, meaning they cannot go intergalactic. I don't know. 8127. Does Ra have knowledge of, say, any other major galaxy, or the consciousness, or anything in that galaxy? These are real UFO studies questions, um, which are interesting. I mean, there is a physical universe, you know. <laughs> I know. I know you know that. Ra said, we assume you are speaking of the possibility of knowledge of other major galaxies. There are wanderers from other major galaxies drawn to the specific needs of a single call. There are those among our social memory complex which have become wanderers in other major galaxies. Thus there has been knowledge of other major galaxies, for to one whose personality or mind-body-spirit complex has been crystallized, the universe is one place, and there is no bar upon travel. However, our interpretation of your query was a query concerning the social memory complex traveling to another major galaxy. We have not done this, nor do we contemplate it, for we can reach in love with our hearts. And, you know, we too can reach multi-dimensional, multi-systemic uh, planets, beings with our heart. The question is, do you get? Do you do it, and how much fulfillment do you get from it? Rod does it, and um, obviously get profound nourishment from it, because they don't have much interest in it, in 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 the physical traveling. They don't have much interest in moving their body or their whole group, taking the show on the road. But there are wanderers from Ra's group that have been to other galaxies. Yes, that's true. 
And so, yes, it's true, um, so I stand corrected, yes, it's true that um, a being at the level of higher self can go intergalactic. As Ross said, one whose personality or mind-body-spirit complex, and here we have an interesting um, equi equivalence. Ah, personality equals mind-body-spirit complex? We're not talking about physical, emotional, mental personality, lower triad personality, physical, emotional, mental body, uh, selfhood, emotionalism, you know, and, and mental conditions, personality. No, we're talking about mind-body-spirit complex is akin to personality, divine personality, persona, mask. The mind-body-spirit complex is the mask of the Logos. And for one Logos, whose manifestation of their mask, or manifestation through their mask, has, a, has achieved crystallization, Right? The crystallized healer has no will, Ra said. The crystallized healer is one who is free of lower triad blockage and has maximally or sufficiently activated and balanced green ray, blue ray, the blue-green center, the heart-mind, and <clears throat> has unified mind-body with spirit so that the seven goes to three or the three becomes one, the law of one, late six density, unified selfhood. selfhood. That one, I guess can physically travel or project. It's called an emanation body in Tibetan Buddhism. They can project a lower dimensional body, uh, form or body, not body, form or body um, for manifestation in uh, a density below six, even in another galaxy. So there are entities from the raw group that have gone to other galaxies to, for specific needs of a single call. Very, very interesting. We want to see an interesting movie about a walk-in and a higher dimensional being responding to call. Look at the movie K-Pax, K-Pax, with Kevin Spacey, who's a little kind of, uh, has this sort of um, kind of arrogant attitude, but and maybe a, uh, involved in some dark things, some people say. Uh, but it's an interesting movie, K-Pax, and about in terms of responding to specific needs of a single call. But there's no bar upon travel, and so other entities from the Ra group have indeed gone to other galaxies. But again, um, they're at a level of development in which um, opening beingness to radiate love light um, is the most fulfilling form of travel that they know. And that's very interesting. And some wanderers here um, lose desire for social engagement as uh, mind-heart purifies. And getting close to the end here, um, Don recaps 81.28, then I'm going to end here. Don says, in this line, thank you, in this line of questioning, I'm trying to establish a basis for understanding the foundation for not only the experience that we have now, but the how the experience was formed and how it it is related to the rest of the experience <laughs> through the portion of the octave as we understand it. I'm assuming then that all of these galaxies, millions, infinite number of galaxies, which we can just begin to become aware of with our telescopes, they are all of the same octave. Is this correct? It's correct. And so everything that we see physically represents a third density manifestation with, of, of a life um, within our octave. 
and it is correct, 8129, Don wondering that if in that some of the wanderers from Ra going to the other major galaxies, that is, leaving the system of 200 plus billion stars of lenticular shape, going to another cluster of billions of stars and finding their way into to some planetary situation there, would any of these wanderers encounter the dual polarity that we have here, serve itself, serve the others? Ross said is correct. So yes, of course, uh, the veil in 3D mind, 3D space-time mind that separates matrix and potentiator or uh, veils, a quote, subconscious, that veiling phenomena is occurring in other um, in other same octave um, evolutionary scheme, same same octave other galaxies, or in this octave in other galaxies. So in other galaxies, in our octave, this veiling has been established also, and therefore you have the two paths of polarity that raw wanderers from the raw group have encountered in uh, octaves, you know, in the same octave of other galaxies. And um, let's leave it at there. <laughs> and next time we're going to pick up at 8130. And um, rather than rush, you know, I, I do another 20 minutes on here, uh, I will complete next session, or complete session 81 next class, starting at 8130, finish the discussion of astronomy cosmology, and maybe do some recap of um, the mind-body-spirit archetype cycles from the tarot or the archetypical mind that we just finished. And then we'd be finished with session 81. In session 82, um, we're, Don is um, asking further about astronomy, astrology, not astrology, but cosmology astronomy, or metaphysical cosmology and astronomy, or space sciences, and um, some things about the densities and before the veil. He's very interested in life before the veil. I'm not sure why, but it is interesting because the condition before the veil is very much akin to the condition after sixth density, or after dualist, dual consciousness. So we'll finish session 81 next time and do some review of the archetypes, perhaps. Uh, thank you so much for being here, and um, I hope my quick speaking was acceptable. Um, I hope this has been helpful. Take good care of yourselves. See you next time, and good night.